Gertie Kincaid expected the worst. An Arctic front was dipping through Dixie, and southeast Georgia was bracing for its first blast of winter. By nightfall, said the weatherman, it might even snow. After 78 years, Gertie wasn't tickled by the novelty. In the small town of Haynesville, January at its worst meant ice storms and downed power lines, not fluffy white snowfalls in a winter wonderland. There was no sophisticated meteorological explanation for it. That was just the way it was, and always would be. That simple logic was like the town creed. Life in Haynesville, they said, was as predictable as the sweet smell of azaleas in the spring and the April crop of onions. Vidalia onions, to be exact. They were the town's bona fide claim to fame, but it wasn't very southern to brag, so nobody claimed it. Haynesville was a one-stoplight town, population 532. It relied on one schoolhouse, a white clabbered rectangle serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The first Baptist church was the sole house of worship, built of bricks from the red Georgia clay. And there was just one doctor, a semi-retired family physician who'd been honored with a parade, marching band, and key to the city when she moved down from Atlanta. By early Friday evening, a windsock full of bitter northeasterlies was blowing through town. The smell of charred oak wafted from the chimneys of old homes with no electric heaters. Gertie was bundled up warmly in her beige trench coat and plaid wool scarf as she hurried up the curved sidewalk that led to her front door. Covered by a thin glaze of icy rain, the front steps and pathway glistened in the dim yellow porch light. It was slick and treacherous. She could have walked it blindfolded, however, having lived in the same old two-story white frame house for nearly fifty years, the last ten alone as a widow. She tucked her shopping bag under her arm while digging through her purse for the keys. The brass ring was enormous, cluttered with house keys, car keys, keys to an old shed that had burned down in 67, even keys to luggage she'd never actually locked. She kept them all on one ring, having promised herself that the day she could no longer tell the good ones from the bad would be the day she'd accept her daughter's persistent invitation to move in with her. Oh, fiddlesticks, she muttered. Her fingers ached with arthritis, and the tattered knit gloves only made it harder to grab the right key. The key ring jingled and jangled like a wind chime in her shaky hand. Finally she got it. With a quick shove, the door opened, and she rushed inside to keep out the cold. An eerie yellow glow from the porch streamed through the slatted windows on the door, lighting the needlepoint words of wisdom in the gold-leaf frame hanging on the wall. Gertie had designed and stitched it herself. There but for the grace of God go I, it read. Southern for better you than me. She flipped the light switch in the foyer, but the expected illumination didn't come. Must be a power shortage. But then she realized the porch light was still burning outside the door. Maybe a blown fuse? It took a minute to hang her coat and scarf neatly on the rack. Then she fumbled for her key again in the dim yellow light. She needed the key to secure the lock. Her granddaughter, now a big city girl with self-proclaimed street smarts, 
had come down from Richmond over Thanksgiving and replaced the old-fashioned chain and deadbolt with new high-security locks, the kind that required a key to get out of your own house. The idea was to keep burglars from reaching through the window from the outside to unlock the door on the inside. It seemed like overkill to Gertie. What was next, a blood test to sit down at your own dinner table? She knew it defeated the purpose, but she developed the habit of letting herself in, then leaving her keys right in the lock on the front door. As her eyes slowly adjusted to the darkness, she started across the living room. The curved back of the Victorian sofa was visible in the shadows. A shaft of light from the porch reflected off the oak-framed mirror above the fireplace. The century-old floorboards creaked beneath her feet. General Lee, she called out. Where are you, baby? Her voice had an apologetic tone. She'd promised to be home no later than five o'clock, and the general was one kitty who didn't like his dinner late. <laughs>